Big news for the white race this morning. According to new census data, white people are officially finished as the majority race in America. Until 1965, white people made up about 85% of the U.S. population. Then a new mass migration policy, along with a collapse in native-born American birth rates, combined to drop that percentage down to the 60 or so percent that it is today. And now, according to a new analysis, Gen Z will officially be the last majority white American generation. As the youngest generation, Gen Alpha, has already seen white people replaced as the majority population. Now, if you are white, you cannot mention this fact. If you were to observe this demographic model, especially if you did so with any even slight hint of reservation, you would, of course, be a racist conspiracy theorist. But other people, such as the liberal media, they are permitted to observe it, especially if they celebrate it. So here we have it. I'm not all that worried. The Sicilians have always been a racially ambiguous people. I'm sure that my swarthy skin will fare just fine in America's beige future. I can easily pass for Hispanic. When I hold my sitar, I've been mistaken for Indian. In particularly hot summers, I look downright North African, so I'm not losing sleep. But given my slightly duskier complexion, is it all right if I suggest, even meekly, that perhaps there's something just a little bit sad about a nation's founding stock passing away? If I suggest that maybe white people aren't intrinsically evil and deserving of demographic doom, is that the sort of thing that's going to get me canceled? It wouldn't get me canceled if we were discussing pretty much any other country on earth, certainly any country outside the West. If, let's say over the course of 60 years, Japan opened its borders and the Japanese became a minority in Japan, wouldn't lots of people wonder at that? Maybe even worry a little bit? If the Nigerians suddenly became a minority in Nigeria after an influx of Icelandic immigrants, wouldn't people, I'm not saying it would be a bad thing, okay? I'm just, wouldn't it be a cause for concern for a lot of people, for at least the Nigerians who might fear that such a massive influx of newcomers might displace or even erase their customs and their way of life? Are we allowed to raise any of those questions? Or are we just supposed to deny that any of those concerns are even a possibility until they become an inevitability to celebrate. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price and 30 bucks off your order with my code Knowles. Go to goodranchers.com. Use my code Knowles today. I had Good Rancher steak two nights ago and it was just so delicious. I can't, it was so good. I can't even express it in words. Uh, there is some uh, breaking news about porn, which is that Pornhub is now going dark in Arkansas because it is so insistent on not making sure that uh, little kids look at their stuff. Uh, we'll get to that story in just a second. First, though, I want to stay on the topic of getting canceled for a second. 
because Neo, Neo, a rapper, N-E-Y-O, I think it's Neo, he said a thing, got canceled, apologized, unapologized. And it, so now we're in a good spot where I'm very pro-Neo again. I lost track somewhere in the Neo path along the way. But what, here's what Neo said that got him canceled. I have no issue with, with the LBGT. I have no problem with none of, with nobody. Okay? Right. Love who you love, do what you do. Exactly. I just personally come from an era where a man was a man and a woman was a woman. And it wasn't but two genders and that's just how I rocked. Me now, too. It, 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 you, could, you could identify as a goldfish if you feel like Right. <laughs> I, I agree. Care. That ain't my business. It, just, it becomes my business when you try to make me play the game with you. I'm not going right. to call you a goldfish, but exactly. you, you want to be a goldfish, you go be a goldfish. It's all Amen. So this is a very mild position. I don't, I don't consider this to be particularly conservative. In fact, this was a liberal position 10 years ago. The conservative position is, no, if you're a man, you don't have a right to pretend to be a woman in public life. No, if you're, you don't have a right to pretend to be a goldfish that's disordered and you shouldn't do it and you should just act normal. That's the conservative position. That's the position held by virtually every person, certainly every normal person, for all of history everywhere on earth. The position that, that Neo is expressing there is a fairly liberal position, which is do whatever you want. Just like don't force it down my throat all the time because there we, we know there are actually two sexes, right? That's a very moderate position, but it was still too right wing for the libs, so they try to cancel Neo. Very upset by this. I've now known of Neo's existence for almost 20 hours, and I'm, I was very sorry to see that he almost got canceled for this. Then he apologized. Very frustrating. He tweeted out, I'd like to express my deepest apologies. After much reflection, I'd like to express my deepest apologies that anyone that I may have hurt with my comments on parenting and gender identity I've always been an advocate for love and inclusivity for the LGBTQI plus community. So I understand how my comments could have been interpreted as insensitive and offensive. So super lame. Then I was very anti-Neo. Neo is dead to me when I saw that apology. But then Neo unapologized. What's going on, loved ones? This is Neo. All right, listen. I normally don't give too much of a damn about what y'all think about what I do, or what y'all have to say about what I say, whatever. I normally don't care because, like I said, opinions ain't special. Everybody got one. However, this is something I feel very strongly on, and I need y'all to hear this from the horse's mouth, not the publicist's computer. So check this out. First and foremost, I do not apologize for having an opinion on this matter. I am a 43-year-old heterosexual man raising five boys and two girls, okay? That's my reality. Now, if my opinion offended somebody, yeah, sure, I apologize for you being offended because that wasn't my intention. My intention is never to offend anybody. However, I'm entitled to feel how I feel. I'm absolutely entitled to feel how I feel the same way you are entitled to feel how you feel. I ain't asked nobody to follow me. I ain't asked nobody to agree with me. I was asked a question and I answered the damn question. Okay. I have no beef with the LBGTQIA plus community whatsoever. I ain't got no beef with y'all. Do whatever the hell it is you want to do. Do what you want to do with your kids. However, somebody asked my opinion on this matter and this is how I feel. I will never be okay with allowing a child to make a decision that detrimental to their life. I will never be okay with that. Okay, so basically a good answer here. Some of this, he's still pretty liberal, where he says, do whatever you want. 
do whatever you want with your kids. I'm not sure how two women and two men come get a child. I'm not sure exactly how the mechanics and biology of that work. Maybe we need to look into that a little bit as a political matter. But he, that's, that's how open he is here. He says, look, but he says, I'm a man. I'm allowed to have an opinion. And my opinion is, basically, this is disgusting. <laughs> and I oppose it. That's what he's saying. This is why this, the whole Neo saga, I think, is really important. Most people's views on all this weird sex stuff, I think basically line up with Neo's views. I don't think most people have a totally coherent, philosophically, ethically, moral, religiously serious and consistent view about these sorts of issues. I think most people think about lots of different things during their day and they don't pay all that much attention to these particular issues unless you work in politics unless you have a particular interest in politics, and then maybe you you spend some time on it. So I think most people are like Neo here, and I think that's a perfectly fine thing. I don't think that everyone needs to spend all day long philosophizing. Neo is a little confused about what he consciously thinks. On the one hand, this LGBT stuff is wrong and false and bad. On the other hand, people should do it and they should even do it to their kids, but they shouldn't do it to his kids. And he's, he's just going to express his view that it's bad, but maybe it can happen, but it, he's sorry, but he's not that sorry. And he supports it, but he opposes it. It's, a, it's confused. The only through line here is that he has a base level of disgust that he feels at this stuff, which we all do. Everybody has a base level of disgust when they see the pride thing going down the street and the guys in the leather outfits smacking each other and jiggling their their naked bodies in front of children or their scantily clad bodies in front of children. We, we all have this base level of disgust and anger. And some people, the liberals, suppress that or try to rationalize that or try to convince themselves that that's a good thing and ultimately cultivate disordered desires that, that allow them to, to find some pleasure in that. But every normal person knows that it's wrong. And maybe they can't find exactly the right words to articulate it. Maybe they can't write a nice reasoned essay that's 20 pages long on the moral implications of all this stuff. But they just know it's wrong. And that's fine. That's good enough for politics. You know, our pal Ben Shapiro has this line, facts don't care about your feelings, which is true enough. But don't dismiss feelings. Feelings can be a pretty good guide to facts as well. The fact is this stuff is obviously immoral and repugnant, and the feeling precedes the fact. This is something that the the bioethicist Leon Cass has called the wisdom of repugnance. Maybe you don't have a perfectly thought out moral view on things, but but you know it when you see it. You You know a bad thing when you see it. Perfectly fine. Neo's disgust is better than most of the supposedly reasoned arguments that the liberal establishment is putting out on these issues. Speaking of reasoned arguments, speaking of getting canceled, a Seattle Times editorial board member has been fired for defending Hitler. Can you imagine this guy defended Hitler? It's especially weird that he defended Hitler because his family was targeted by Nazi Germany. But he, he defended Hitler, according to the libs, and so he was fired for that. What did he actually do? Well, there's a statue in Seattle of Vladimir Lenin, one of the worst men in modern history. And this Seattle Times editorial board member pointed out that Lenin was sort of a bad fellow too, 
And you're not allowed to do that in our modern culture. There's this Lenin statue in Seattle. I didn't realize there's a statue of Lenin, not John Lennon, that would be bad enough, but Vladimir Lenin in Seattle, American city, this big giant Russian commie statue. And there's this journalist who is a Seattle Times editorial board member. And he said, look, Hitler is very bad. We view Hitler as the worst guy ever. But Lenin was, was pretty bad too. There were other bad people also. And he pointed out, quote, in fact, while Hitler has become the great symbol of evil in history books, he too was less evil than Lenin because Hitler only targeted people he personally believed were harmful to society, whereas Lenin targeted even those he himself didn't believe were harmful in any way. That's a tweet that Volodsko, this, this, uh, David Joseph Volodsko, this editorial board member, sent out. Then he deleted it. You're not allowed, to, you cannot say that anyone was more evil or even as evil or even anywhere near as evil as Hitler. Even if that person is, even, even if you're saying that Hitler was evil and even if you're saying that there are multiple other evil people, you can't, you're not allowed to do that. So he deletes this tweet. Then he writes out, he tries to correct it. He says, Hitler was more evil than Lenin if we're looking at what they did to people, and that's a pretty important metric for assessing evil. So now he's just spinning. I don't even know what he's trying to say. Uh, And he's fired now, and he'll be canceled for that. But why? Why? Lenin certainly led to the death of more people than Hitler did. Uh, Lenin's ideology was certainly at least as evil as Hitler's ideology. Lenin, especially taken uh, in, in the context of his successor, Stalin, not only killed as many, if not more people, but did so in very similar ways at, at basically the same time. Why, why is it that Hitler is the only evil person in history and other evil men like Lenin and Stalin, you're not, you're not even allowed to, to mention their evil actions? Well, there's a simple enough answer, which is that Lenin, through his successor Stalin, won World War II. And Hitler lost World War II. That's why. Because we were on, we had a pact with the Russians. The Russians initially had a pact with Hitler. That was back when the Russians were very bad people. But then the Russians made a pact with us, and then they became really good people. And Russia won, so Russia's the good guy. Uncle Joe Stalin, he, he's a good guy. Now, had, had it turned out differently, you'd have a very different history. Had it turned out differently, you would hear a total downplay. Let's say, let's say the Axis won World War II. You would have a total downplaying of the Holocaust and all the other horrors of World War II. And instead, what you would have is a major focus on the Holodomor. You would have a major focus on Stalin's genocide in, in Ukraine, which killed historians previously had estimated between 7 and 10 million people. Some have revised that number down to 5 and 6 million people. But still, whatever we're talking about, a lot of people, very, very serious amount of bloodshed. That would be the big focus. And you'd hear all sorts of criticisms of America, had, had we lost the war, all sorts of criticisms of Great Britain, and a downplaying of the atrocities of Nazi Germany. That's just the way it works. It get, gets back to this old line from Norm MacDonald, which is, uh, he said, ah, you know, I'm reading in this history book here, this is an amazing fact about history, uh, you know, the good guys have won every single war ever. And people shouldn't misinterpret his joke. Because the the joke is not that the good guys get defeated. The joke is about how the the victors write their own history. And what they do is they 
They downplay all of their own atrocities. So you, you actually can't. I mean, this, maybe this guy just fell for some political naivete here, this Seattle Times editorial board member. But Lenin and Stalin won. And so we're in the political order where the victors can't really be criticized all that much. You, at the time, I mean, you had, goodness gracious, you had the, the American press carrying water for these communists, awful communists. But that's the way it works. You're only allowed to point out the atrocities of the losers. And if you, you think that you can take some objective position, say, no, Hitler, very, very bad. Lenin, very, very bad. Stalin, very, very bad. No, that's not the way it works. That's not the political order that we're living in. The political order is structured by the victors, and the Seattle Times editorial board member learned it the hard way. Now, speaking of history, Barack Obama might be a little bit light in the loafers. This is breaking news, and it's not from some tabloid, and it's not from some far-right kook. It's from David Garrow, who is a very, very serious biographer. He is biographer of Barack Obama. There have been a number of biographies written of Obama that are cheap kind of hit jobs. That's not what this guy does. This guy's a Pulitzer Prize winning historian and biographer. He won the Pulitzer all the way back in 1987. He is not considered a far right conservative by any means. And David Garrow is, is now working on what I suppose will be the sort of authoritative biography of Obama. And he has discovered that Obama wrote letters to a girlfriend when he was at Occidental College, which is the college he went to before he transferred to Columbia. And he apparently expressed his desire to do all sorts of strange things with men. According to Garrow, with Alex McNear, who is Obama's girlfriend, I think she wanted to have her role known. So when Alex showed me the letters from Barack, she redacted one paragraph in one of them and just said, it's about homosexuality. Why did Garrow start pushing? Why is this coming out now? I don't think it's coming out now because it's, it's an attack on Obama. I mean, I think this woman probably still likes Obama. But now we're past the Obama presidency. He's not going to lose an election or anything. And they just want the story to come out. And what Garrow realized is something that I realized when I was reading Barack Obama's first memoir. He wrote a couple. And it's something that you may have noticed, too, when you read Dreams from My Father, which is that it's a work of fiction. And Obama even admitted it was a work of fiction. He'd write about a girlfriend in Dreams from My Father, and the girl never existed. And he would admit she never existed. And, and when he got caught on this issue, this lie, he said, well, she's a composite. She's a composite character of different women I'd met in my life. Composite characters. So you're telling me your memoir is a work of fiction. And we knew that because so much of Barack Obama's actual biography did not line up with reality. I think this is one of the things that fueled the, the birther idea that he wasn't really born in Hawaii or something. That wasn't just some crazy, kooky idea that a bunch of mean, nasty people thought up out of nowhere. It's because Barack Obama had lied about so much of his biography. The story kept changing. One of his publishers actually wrote on the book jacket of one of his books that he was born in Kenya. But even, let's say that was just an accident. So much of his biography in his own pen, in his own writing, was fiction. And so now this biographer says, okay, Barack Obama you know, a little bit, uh, uh, a big musical theater fan, let's say, you know. Uh, what does this mean for him? I have a, a little bit of a different take than a lot of the conservatives do. It's here, folks. Enjoy an all-new episode of my beloved and wildly controversial interview game show, Yes or No. In this latest episode, I'm joined by the mother of my godchild and Daily Wars resident firebrand, the one and only lovely Candace Owens. Candace brought her unapologetic hot takes to the table to make this a very exciting episode. You don't want to miss. Check out this clip. 
Men who don't work out are like women who cry on TikTok after their pet bunny dies. It's disordered, <laughs> weak, and hard to look at. <laughs> That's just funny. Don't forget, you can bring the show home. Yes or no, the game is back in stock. It always sells out and it sells out fast. So if you want it, I'd order it right now. Go to dailywire.com shop to get yours uh, with 200 cards and the ability to play up to nine people at once. It is easy to see why this is the best selling, most important game, important game at Daily Wire. I think it's the number one merch that we're selling. Yes or no is hands down the best way to add some excitement to your parties, challenge your friends and family's knowledge, and delve into the most thought-provoking topics of our time dailywire.com slash shop, order yes or no today. I have a hot take on this revelation from Obama's biographer that he had homosexual fantasies and wrote about them to his girlfriend. Eh. That's my hot take. My hot take is, eh. The, con- the main conservative hot take I'm seeing is, see, he's a uh, fanook, you know, he's light in the loafers. <laughs> and I think, I don't know, Maybe. Yeah, he clearly, he obviously had these fantasies and wrote about them to his girlfriend. And, and then what? People are saying, ha ha, see, this proves it. Or ha ha, he's a hypocrite. Or, I don't know. What, what's the guy supposed to do? I, I'm just viewing this from the perspective of a social conservative who, when asked about this issue, pe- people will write in or they'll, they'll show up, they'll say, look, I have a same-sex attraction what am I supposed to do? And the liberal culture says, well, you should just embrace it, put on some leather, go to Greenwich Village, you know, go to a bathhouse somewhere, live your best life, baby, go to a pride monkeypox party or something. That's going to be the, the way to flourishing. And the social conservatives have said, well, no, you should just suppress or sublimate that desire and not indulge it. And this, this is always a little bit of a hard line because you think, well, easy for you to say. I mean, Everybody has certain disordered desires and affections, but that one's got to be pretty hard, right? I think it's very easy for us, especially those of us who are socially conservative, to say, hey, look, we don't have to deal with this issue. So yeah, sorry. We like girls, so we can you know, have a, an ex- a full expression of our sexual desires, and you can't do that. So yeah, tough, tough, suck it up, you know. Okay. It's very easy to say. It's a very hard saying, I think for people who have to deal with this. So I think, I don't know, what do, we, what do we want the guy to do? He had these desires. He didn't, I don't know, maybe indulged in them, but I, it seems like he didn't. And then he got married and had kids and lived a basically normal life. And he said, even if he had these desires, he said, no, I'd rather have a family. I'd rather, maybe he just said, I'd rather have a successful political career. Or maybe I'd have this, that, or the other thing. Isn't that, isn't that what we want people to do? I just think if, if social conservatives pounce on these guys and kind of mock them. And then we're not giving anyone an out. So much of this modern culture, I think, it, the modern liberal culture that says indulge all of your appetites, it, it preys on society not giving people an off-ramp, not giving people an alternative. If someone has a gender dysphoria or something like that, what are they supposed to do? I think this is why I think social conservatives should speak compassionately about them. And if, if Barack Obama is expressing some shame or some desire to cover this up, uh, according to David Garrow, he's not being given access to a number of Barack Obama's personal papers, probably for this reason. I think, I don't know, good on him. 
Good on him for feeling some compunction about this and not wanting this fact to come out. All about it. All about it, man. That's the only nice thing I'll say about Barack Obama ever. Speaking of weird sex stuff, Jill Biden has met with some drag queens in San Francisco. She's locked up the transvestite vote for her husband. Who'd she meet with? It's called Manny's. Manny's is unapologetically queer and unapologetically political. This photo says it all. San Francisco Queens meeting the first lady of the United States of America in a civic meeting space in the Mission District of the Fair City of San Francisco. Uh, this group, the, the uh, whatever they're called, they apparently perform in front of kids. That's according to libs of TikTok. Uh, this is obviously intentional. This wasn't an accident. The first lady doesn't just happen to walk down the street and take a photo with a bunch of drag queens. Access to the president and the first lady and senior political officials, that's very, very closely guarded, especially when you're talking about the president's inner circle. So this was set up by the White House. They wanted her to take a picture with these drag queens. The most jarring part of this is not the drag queens. The most jarring part of this picture is how normal Jill Biden looks. That's the crazy part. This picture, first lady standing with a bunch of bearded trannies, this would be completely unimaginable five years ago. Certainly 10 years ago, completely unimaginable five years ago. In either party, at even the most extreme far-left fringes of the Democrat Party, unimaginable. Today, it's de rigueur. T- today, it is just taken as common, common sense that the Democrat first lady would, would meet with these kinds of people and take a picture smiling. That's how fast the party has transformed. And it, to me, it, it, it represents where the country as a whole is right now which is, in many ways, we still look kind of normal. We still look like a normal, functioning, thriving global superpower. But you can just see it's all a little bit off. There are little chinks in the armor. It seems a lot like a facade. And furthermore, the the parts that were normal are fading away. We were talking about the white people fading away at the top of the show. But it goes so much deeper. Forget about that. Family fading away, marriage rates fading away, childbirth fading away, ordinary rituals fading away, the the normal practice of Christianity fading away, educational institutions that once carried prestige fading away, the economy, our economic strength kind of fading. It's just all the borders faded away a long time ago. So you still see this, this shadow, you still see this aging kind of memory of America when things were kind of normal. But beneath that, you have a bunch of bearded trannies. (laughs) That's the country right now. And the normal people are old. And they're not going to, it's not going to be a gradual shift. It's going to be pretty fast. When that generation, which has clung onto power for so long, when that generation goes, things are going to change very quickly. Bill Clinton was our first baby boomer president. Bill Clinton became president in 1993. You had Bill Clinton, baby boomer, George W. Bush, baby boomer, Barack Obama, Gen X. Okay, now we're moving down the generations. Oh, nope, Donald Trump's taking it back. 
We got another baby boomer. That's the third baby boomer president. Then Joe Biden's taking it back. Joe Biden's not even a baby boomer. He's the silent generation. He's just before the baby boomers. So we've now had four out of five presidents have been boomers or older over the last 30 years. What's going to, when that shifts, is it just going to be a kind of gradual shift into some slightly more radical Democrat? No. It's going to be bearded trannies. We are going to become a country of bearded trannies. Speaking of weird sex stuff, there's a lot, there's a lot today. This is, this is my giving Media Matters lots of clips for the week kind of day. We're opening on race, then we're getting to Hitler, then we're <laughs> getting to the weird sex stuff. So this is a smorgasbord. Maybe I'll take it easy the rest of the week. But there is some really good news coming out of Arkansas. Arkansas right now has passed a law saying that if you want to peddle smut and pornography in the state, you got to make sure that you're not peddling it directly to children. Seems reasonable enough. I think probably you could have gotten to that end by just enforcing obscenity laws that are already on the books. But because we've got squishy liberal judges in recent decades, Arkansas says, okay, we want to be very clear, especially with the technological change of the internet, we're going to be very clear, you can't target smut directly to children. There's got to be about one step in between the kids and the porn. And Pornhub said, okay, we're not doing business in Arkansas anymore. Pornhub said that in Arkansas. It said that in multiple other states now, as other states have pushed for any, even the most basic regulations of pornography. The kind of regulation that used to exist at newsstands. If someone went in and wanted to buy a Playboy, the Playboy would be covered in a special material so that you couldn't just see all the stuff on the cover right away, and you'd have to ask. It was behind the counter. You'd have to be kind of embarrassed and ask. Basic stuff so that kids couldn't get at it, at a Playboy. What's on the internet is a lot worse than what was in Playboy and Penthouse decades ago. Pornhub says, no thanks. If I can't peddle this directly to children, I'm just going to stop doing business in the whole state. That tells you everything that you need to know about the pornography industry. The whole pornography industry is about children. It's not just a little bit of it. It's the whole thing. We focus on these particularly sensationalist and hideous examples, the sort of thing that Sound of Freedom is based on, child exploitation, child pornography. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. The whole industry is based on kids because the whole industry is based on hooking kids when they're very young. The median age of exposure to porn is something like 11 years old now, might even be younger at this point. That might be an outdated statistic. So you hook them when they're very young, and then you melt their brains, and you get these kids whose brains are very spongy. You get them addicted to pornography, and then they can never break it. That's why Pornhub won't risk this. The reason that Pornhub is giving as to why they won't risk this is they're saying, well, our users value privacy. So they're not going to want to submit a photo of an ID to prove that they are over 18, because then... We're going to know who they are and what they're looking at. I don't think that's the slam dunk argument that Pornhub thinks it is. Why are people reticent to, to reveal their identities when they're looking at pornography? Because it's filthy and shameful and degrading and makes people look like perverts. And so they don't want to admit. When, when they can look at it in anonymity or supposed anonymity, someone's always watching, buddy. But it, when, they, when they can at least fool themselves into thinking that they're anonymous and nobody's watching, then they'll watch it. But the moment that they have to acknowledge it, they're going to 
they're, they're going to stop it. So there's those two reasons. But don't downplay the, the targeting of kids. If you ever complained about tobacco companies, cigarette companies targeting kids with advertising in the 90s, which every liberal did, then I'd sure like to hear you speak up about pornography because big porn makes the big tobacco companies look like child's play, look like the amateur league in the way that they target children with their smut. So what are we going to do about it? What, what would I do if I, if I were king of Arkansas? I don't know, Arkansas is doing a great job. You know, Sarah Sanders, I love her. But what would I do if I were the governor of a state right now? How would you enforce? Well, I would pass this kind of a law. And how would I then try to enforce it or put it into practice? I guess I would just enforce obscenity laws. I, would, I wouldn't even necessarily need to pass new laws. I would just enforce the obscenity laws already on the books, and I'd go after these guys. They provide absolutely no benefit to society. They provide a lot of harms to society. They screw up a lot of people's lives. And so I'd just, I'd, I'd ban it all, or I'd enforce the pre-existing bans. And if they continue to violate it, I would arrest the distributors. And I wouldn't just go after low-level guys. This is where I think people are being a little unfair to Andrew Tate. This is where I'm going to come in. I'm not exactly defending Andrew Tate here, but I'm pointing out it's fine to have righteous indignation about Andrew Tate doing all sorts of nasty, pimpy things and seducing women and putting them on webcam. That, yeah, it's awful. Small potatoes, guys, if you're, if you're against that, if you're for imprisoning Andrew Tate, then you should be 100 times, 1,000 times more in favor of imprisoning the head of MindGeek, which is the parent company of Pornhub. You should be 1,000 times in, in favor of imprisoning the owners of OnlyFans and all of the other porn sites. Okay, if you're, if you're going to go after the small potatoes because uh, Andrew Tate is particularly obnoxious on video or something, he makes a good cartoon character villain, okay, fine. But go after the big guys. Don't just focus on little Andrew Tate. Go after the big guys. Otherwise, it seems that one is disingenuous on, uh, or, or incoherent in one's view of this. You know, when Dr. Jordan B. Peterson made the decision to join Daily Wire Plus, it was a major win for those who champion free speech and intellectual debate. With one year of unparalleled output, his contributions set new standards and remain unmatched by any other platform. Daily Wire Plus now has a vast array of exclusive Jordan Peterson content, offering hundreds of hours of captivating content you won't find anywhere else. Jordan has created thought-provoking works that reshape your perspective on life, which include vision and destiny, marriage and dragons, monsters and men. Additionally, you can immerse yourself in discussions that nurture your spiritual side, such as Logos and Literacy, Jordan's new series on Exodus. I haven't even mentioned his Beyond Order lecture series or his extensive archive of lectures and podcasts. Plus, there is even more new exclusive content on the horizon. By becoming a Daily Wire Plus member, you'll embark on an unforgettable experience that will fuel your thirst for knowledge and inspire personal growth like never before. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member today. My favorite coming yesterday is from Shazney1915, who says, Megan Rapinoe only represents herself, not our country. She will always be known as an anti-American player who missed the shot and everyone cheered. That's true. And it's not totally her fault, though. It's because she's a liberal. Because liberalism, it's not just Megan Rapinoe. It's not just the woke, the woke people. It's not just the extreme far left fringe. It's liberalism. Liberalism encourages individualism above all other considerations. Even people on the right will sometimes do that. Certainly the libertarians. It, it's the whole liberal ideology that has pervaded our entire civilization that says unchosen commitments, family, country, religion, 
community, all those, that's nothing. Forget about those. All that matters is your individual expression. That's the most important thing in the world. And you'll hear people on the right, not as often as people on the left, but you'll hear some people on the right say that too. The Rapino problem, oddly enough, is representative of an American political. That's the only way in which Megan Rapino does represent the United States. Okay, this brings me to our old pals at Harry's Razors. Harry's Razors is a new ad out. They're leaning in and promoting their razors for trans men. So there's a fella there. It's not really a fella, it's a girl who took testosterone and grew some hair. And looks vaguely like Elon Musk. Kind of odd. And then this gal's soon girlfriend. Anyway, it says, growing up I always wanted a beard. I love growing a beard and maintaining it. Can't keep reading because we blurred out her breasts, which have been surgically altered. And then she's trying to shave, and it's okay. Buy Harry's razors. If you're if you're a transsexual, buy Harry's razors. <laughs> Harry's is is doing is, is an older clip, but it's making the rounds again. Why? It's making the rounds because of us. I I don't want <laughs> I don't want to toot our own horn too much, but we're the reason for that ad. And we're the reason for that ad because that some years ago I was on Candace Owens' old show at PragerU and I agreed with some point she made about transgenderism being fake. And then some kind of bot type account tweets this out much later and says, hey, Harry's, you're sponsoring Michael Knowles, but he, you shouldn't. He's a bad guy because he said this about transgenderism. And Harry's company responded and said, oh, yes, we have a values misalignment. We're, we're pulling our advertising. And they not only pulled their advertising from the show, they insulted our audience. Our, your audience has terrible values. We, have, we hate those values. And so Jeremy, not just to uh, avenge you know, this attack on my reputation, but to defend the audience, decided to spend millions and millions of dollars and launch his own razor company to destroy Harry's. And he did it with the IHateHarry's.com URL. He put up a big billboard outside their office. And he said, Harry's hates normal people, hates normal people who hold normal views on sex. And we don't. So stop giving your money to world corporations. And hey, you give it to us instead. That's all to catch up to this point, which is Harry's is now leaning in. It reminds me of what Trump does. Trump very often would make his enemies go crazy. His enemies, who otherwise were perfectly ordinary people who were accepted by the liberal establishment, who were clubbable, who he would drive them nuts and they'd make fools of themselves, like Marco Rubio doing the Don Rickles routine or Jeb Bush doing the high five on a debate stage. It, he would make them look ridiculous because they would drive themselves crazy. The entire Never Trump movement did that. We have done that to Harry's. We've driven them crazy. But what choice did they have? Harry's only had two choices. Harry's either could go in and say, look, we, we're sorry, we, we oppose this stuff now. Or Harry's could come back and say, yeah, you're right, we're the tranny company. And that's what they've done. The CEO of, here's the CEO of Harry's talking about birthing parents. Created a really sort of unbalanced dynamic um, and made the co-parenting thing really hard to actually live in practice. Um, and so, you know, that experience 
you know, was, was one that led us to this conclusion that, hey, we need not just a general parental leave policy, but an equal parental leave policy um, that treats birthing and non-birthing parents equally. Um, so we've implemented that and give everybody four months regardless of whether you're the birthing parent or the non-birthing parent. Thanks. Um, and then last, um, we also, as a company, have always tried to sort of be socially minded and not just be about um, bottom line profits. Yeah, you're clearly not about bottom line profits because we destroyed your company. And every time they say something like this, the the Jeremy's Razor's profit margins get 10% higher. Like Trump with the wall. The wall just got 10 feet higher. Well, the, the Jeremy's Razor's profit margins just got 10 feet higher. Why are they doing this, though? Because the best option they had in front of them when they fell for this liberal trick and came after me, the best option they had was to apologize. Sorry. Sorry to the Daily Wire audience. We didn't mean to insult you. We're going to advertise on your show again. Okay, we probably would have forgiven them. But when they didn't do that, it's just like Bud Light. When they didn't do that, their second best option is to double down. Because you can't stand in the middle of the road or you're going to get hit by a truck. The culture is clearly dividing on certain binary issues. Can a man be a woman? Can a man not be a woman? And you've got to pick a a lane. You're not going to appease groups of people that have mutually contradictory views that are deeply held on basic fundamental questions. So Harry's will have a smaller company that satisfies the part of the market that we're not, that we're not serving, the radical leftists. And we have a company solely because Harry's refused to serve the market that we serve, also known as normal people. I think women are getting fed up with this birthing parent stuff, though. I think women are getting fed up with being kicked to the sidelines. I think women are getting fed up with feminism and the sexual revolution more broadly. Kelly Osborne, Ozzy Osborne's daughter, was just asked why there were no pictures of her when she was pregnant. And people asked if it was because she had a surrogate carry her child. And she's denying that. I don't know whether she did or not, but she's denying that she had a surrogate. She's saying, no, I hid. You won't find any pictures of me at all during pregnancy. I hid all nine months of pregnancy to avoid being fat shamed because I've been a public figure all my life, and I just didn't want to be on camera fat. I don't know whether that explanation is true or not. It at least rings true. It at least rings plausible. Lindsay Lohan just came out. She said, being pregnant is the greatest joy of my life. Lindsay Lohan's had a pretty pretty fun, wild life. She says, being pregnant, being a mother, it's the greatest joy of my entire life. Khloe Kardashian, do you remember that clip of Khloe Kardashian? Just coming out saying, man, surrogacy was a horrible idea. Wish I carried my child. The surrogate process, Kim knows it's really hard for me. What does that mean? She had a really hard time accepting the whole process. Got it. It's a mind It's really the worst thing. I do think that there is a difference. When the baby is in your belly, the baby actually feels your real heart. Think about it. It like touches your organ. Like it's feel, there's no one else on this planet that will feel you from the inside like that, like your heart, you know? (laughs) I felt really guilty that like this woman just had my baby and you're just, I take the baby and then I go to another room and you're sort of separated. Like I felt it's such a transactional experience because it's not about him. So true, you get the point. I wish someone was honest about surrogacy. I wish and someone the difference of it, but was it honest about surrogacy. It's still great. It's just very different. I wish someone was honest about surrogacy. That's a great line. 
She says, there's this woman bleeding in the other room, you know, and then I'm there and it's not about the baby at all. It's just a transaction. It's an economic transaction. We've, we've reduced the relation between men and women, one of the great joys of life, into an interchangeable commercial enterprise. Even the language we use, we talk about our partner now. We don't say our, my wife, my husband, my boyfriend, my, we say my partner. Like it's an accounting firm. And it's not just the men who are waking up to this. It's the women. The women who are saying, huh, I don't want to be treated like a commodity to be used up and thrown out when I'm no longer valuable to people. I don't want to buy my child. I don't want to be a, a nondescript non- birthing parent. I'm a woman. I'm a woman. Hear me roar. This, this is why women are becoming more trad. There's this, this trend. I was a little early to the trend. We were doing this before it was cool. Of trad wives and people looking at a more traditional kind of culture. You're seeing this among former liberals who recognize that liberalism is crazy. They're shifting to the right. And you're seeing this among people who would have called themselves libertarian who are becoming actual conservatives now. Uh, Huge numbers of them, including prominent ones. And large numbers of non-prominent ones who usually have better intuition than the prominent ones. It's a recognition that it's, it's a little weird in our culture that pregnancy is shamed. That being a woman... Being a real woman, not just a pretend man, is shamed. That being normal is shamed. There's a recognition that at the very least, saying, uh, we're not saying anything about the wonderful achievements of progress, but we're just saying it's a little bit weird what's going on in this country. It's a little strange. It's a little strange that the first lady's posing for photos with a bunch of bearded trannies. It's a little odd, isn't it? And maybe we need to pull at that thread a little, figure out why is, the, why, how did we get here? And as people are doing it, it's not just far-right conservatives, it's ordinary people and it's a lot of ordinary women start pulling at that thread. They realize that we, we have to undo decades of error. C.S. Lewis made this point. He said, when you're walking down the road, the, the true progressive, because well, everyone wants to be a progressive now, the true progressive is the person who realizes when you're walking down the r- wrong road, you're the, you turn around first and you start going back the way you came. That's the true progressive, rather than keep going all the way to oblivion. The rest of the show continues. Now, you don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.